Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, friends. This is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode nine. Whether you're side A or you're side B, you're motivated because you love God. And that is a sacred place, and we can't do away with that. I don't, I don't want to tamper with anybody's motivation for how or why they're loving God. We're just going to reverence it, and that's going to happen under GCN. My goodness, it has been another week in the LGBTQ Christian world. Uh, For anyone who is kind of catching up this week, uh, the Gay Christian Network announced mid-last week that they're going to be parting ways with the now former executive director, Justin Lee. Uh, And then on Friday, announced that uh, Isaac Archuleta is going to be taking over as interim uh, executive director for GCN and kind of ushering in a new era for GCN. Justin has has was the one who started the Gay Christian Network. Uh, so this is kind of a major, major shift. And I know there are a lot of questions, a lot of speculation floating around the internet, floating around this world. And I have Isaac on this episode to kind of address some of that speculation. Uh, I believe that this is his first public interview uh, that he's done since being named as the executive director. Really excited to have him here. Uh, And if you're coming to this episode looking for answers about what happened with Justin Lee and the board, uh, I'll be up front, like we're not, we don't really get into that. And I echo the call of so many people to the board for transparency behind their decision. Uh, I think that this transparency is something that our community deserves. uh, And it's something that only the board can decide to give. And until they choose to release more information, We're left waiting on that. But if you're coming to this episode wondering what direction GCN will be taking under his new leadership, you're in luck. What are his visions for GCN? What's going to be happening to the organization? Uh, I've been paying attention on Facebook, Twitter, seeing so many of the conversations that are happening. And I hope that the questions that I ask address a lot of the issues that I've seen coming up. Briefly, if you're new to the GCN community, we use some language uh, such as side A and side B that may be unfamiliar. So really quickly, side A means that you believe that same-sex people can be in relationship with each other, uh, intimate partnerships with each other, and be blessed by God. Uh, Side B people believe that celibacy, uh, so abstaining from intimate relationships, specifically sexual relationships, uh, is is the way to honor their sexual orientations and God-given gifts. Uh, Both of these sides uh, fully accept LGBT people as not being broken. Uh, there are just different ways of, of viewing it. One saying relationships are are blessed by God and other people saying theologically, I'm not there. I don't believe that they're blessed by God. 
but I can still live a healthy life. Uh, Isaac Archuleta has spent his life's work addressing the reconciliation between sexuality, gender, relationships, and spirituality. Uh, he spent time as a seminary professor. He owns a counseling practice devoted to LGBTQ people and their religious families. Uh, and he works specifically to help those navigating the road that he's journeyed. Uh, he has a Master's of Arts in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. Uh, he's spoken at numerous conferences, churches, forums around the nation. He contributes to the Huffington Post, has been featured on NPR. Isaac is coming to GCN with a wealth of knowledge, uh, but I'll let him kind of get into that. So let's just go ahead and jump in. Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so good to have <laughs> you here. So to start, uh, how do you identify uh, and then how has your faith formed that identity? Mm, that's a good question. I identify as a Hispanic, cisgender, bisexual male, mm. and um Gosh, my faith has just, it's been an incredible mechanism to shape my identity in, in many ways. Mm. Um, I say that and then I don't mean it all at the same time. So I'll kind of break that down a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was born to two conservative Christian pastors. And uh, I thought that the right thing to do would be to shut down my identity. Mm. So in other words, it was wrong for me to be authentic. Mm. I thought that God wanted me to, or God thought of me as his precious son, but there were standards in terms of how I expressed my character, my personality in the world. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't get that right, then I was somehow failing God. Mm. Um, and in the church that I grew up in, we called it righteousness. So I was, I was, this is how I took it. I was righteous if I was a masculine little boy who liked sports because then I would be fulfilling God's plan for masculinity and boyhood. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had to shut that down. Mm -hmm. um, so I hid who I was for a very long time, just swallowing so much pain and rejection mm. and all of that accumulated and it just literally became paralyzing mm. um, depression anxiety and by the time I got to uh, high school my senior year of high school um, I drank till blackout mm. every weekend mm. of my senior year of high school mm. and uh, I was medicating the pain of not being free enough to be who God created me to be. Mm -hmm. I know that now, but I thought then that I was medicating the pain of feeling authentic, but feeling like God would throw that person in the trash. Mm -hmm. Like I was disposable to God so much so that I kind of deserved to burn in fiery hell. Mm -hmm. um, so college was a very, very rough season of my life. Um, I drank a ton. I was arrested and kicked out of CU Boulder mm -hmm. and just so lost. Whenever I talk about this with clients in my office, I always say I felt like an untethered balloon just floating around, not knowing how to do relationships or masculinity or sexuality. I didn't know how to do uh, manhood or boyhood. Mm -hmm. um, I was, my academics were just atrocious mm -hmm. and I was just so lost. And I thought, uh, I thought I was not the drinking part, but I thought that shutting myself down would make God love me. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
So I got a degree in psychology because I wanted to study everything related to human behavior Mm -hmm. so that I could figure out that golden key to change myself. Mm -hmm. And I, um, when that didn't work, I went on to seminary (laughs) to see if I could research everything from a more professional standpoint um, as a mental health provider and see if I could figure out the key to change my sexuality. I thought Mm -hmm. that's what God wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was actually at a conservative Christian seminary where I sat in the library and read literally everything I could get my hands on related to gender, sexuality, human development, literally everything I could get my hands on. And the research and, um, science wasn't behind a change in orientation mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, there are a couple caveats out there, but at least in statistics. Right, right. And I also started, I was in therapy, so I started therapy working with a counselor uh, who taught at the seminary, and together I kind of journeyed into this space where I, I'll, I'll share one story. It's kind of the pivotal story. Mm. I was driving home from seminary in in the car that my boyfriend had bought me, Mm. driving to the apartment I was living in because he paid for it for me. Mm. And I just felt so dirty. Here I was, this duplicitous seminarian by day, gay boy by night. And I was just so torn in half, drinking like crazy, all, you know, even though I was a seminarian. Mm -hmm. And I was just driving home one day and I was thinking about human development and love. And if God is love, could there be a clean version of God is love and a sinful version of God is love. Mm. Because at the time, I really loved my boyfriend. You know, cons- you know, people who weren't affirming of LGBT people would say that my love isn't love and that it's lust. Mm-hmm. But it feels the same way to me. Mm. And it was on that one particular drive home where it just felt like I was liberated. Um, when I began to really feel like like my love wasn't dirty. Mm -hmm. That when I fell in love, not lust, but when I fell in love with someone, that that was God being expressed Mm -hmm. through me. If God is love, there was no other choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then my faith became, at one point it was my prison, Mm -hmm. and then at one point it became my liberty. And so now walking in the fullness of God's created being, and and that's, you know, in um, theology, we call it the Imago Dei, Mm -hmm. you know, the the image of God. I am, you are, we are the image of God. And it felt like the first time I really got to sit inside of my own body Mm -hmm. and enjoy and and bask in who God made me Mm -hmm. rather than feel so disassociated from myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's how my faith shaped my identity (laughs) that you said my faith at one point felt like a prison and then transformed into liberty liberation like Mm -hmm. what a transformation Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's i had to i had to update this might scare some people as though I, I kind of created this um, loose version of God, but I had to update the rules, I'll put it that way, of mm. relationship around God. Mm. You know, in psychology, we have this thing called the illusion of control. It's this mm. illusion that if I perform well and if I behave in the right way, that I will control your emotions and God's. Mm. 
Right. And, you know, and it was just this, this illusion that I had kind of lived my whole life in. And then when I began saying, oh, my God, I'm not like this little small human is not in control of how God feels mm. as though I was making God happy and then literally making God sad. Right. And I began to, I had to change the way I saw God to say, God isn't that fickle. Mm -hmm. God is God is stronger, more steadfast, mm. more uh, holistically un or holistically aware mm -hmm. of who I am. Mm. Yeah. So in order for for God and a relationship with God to become my liberty, I had to update my definition of God in terms of not being this fickle, emotional, weak being, but this right. being that literally holds or holds the universe together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and therefore not swayed by my my behavior you know right because that's such a that's such a powerful powerful you said the word control but like that image of god is such a powerful means of control i think often mm -hmm. in our churches of our actions directly relate to how god feels about us and thus when we do something quote unquote wrong or outside of the bounds of what we're told is right orthodox whatever then god is deeply hurt or upset or mm -hmm. whatever and i i mean i would i would say like in some ways i think some some of that might be true but when it's used in such a means to keep us in this like rigid little box of who we're supposed to be like it causes mm -hmm. such damage like <laughs> oh my god oh for sure literally yeah you know and i think when I share this, when I share my story, I have to be really careful because people always get hung up on the behavior piece. Right. You know, um, when we talk about the antithesis of the illusion of control, to say God isn't swayed by my behavior, mm -hmm. a lot of people's, you know, ears perk and they say, ah, wait a second, is right. that, wait a second, Isaac, is that true? Or you just kind of this, you know, left-wing, um, loose fanatic. Right. No, absolutely not. I think I think sometimes we just understand parenting wrong. Mm. And I know that's a weird aspect of our domain of life for me to bring up, but it's this idea, you know, like I steal a cookie from the cookie jar and a parent would say, hey, stop it. You made me angry. Mm -hmm. But when I think about God and he's watching all of his children take cookies from the cookie jar, he's not just like, man, whatever. Right. But he's saying, yeah. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Mm. I was prepared. I created you. I knit you in your mother's womb. Mm. I knew that you were going to do that. So you're not you're you're not changing my mood. Mm. I can hold the tension on this one. Mm -hmm. In fact, I sent my son. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like um, I, I have plans bigger than this. And let's talk about it because this isn't right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be, that is, that is, I think, the God that became my liberty. Mm. It's such a different picture of God than what I know I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that idea of God as a parent, like, I, I think, you know, that word can be a very loaded word for so many of us. But I think when we think of parenting in its, in its best form of what we wish maybe our parents were or maybe what our parents are, and to view mm -hmm. God that way, like, it's such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So, this is a transition. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You've had you've had a really big week. <laughs> I have had a really big week. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A little> bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was well, it was on Friday that it was announced mm-hmm. that you're the the new interim executive director of the Gay Christian Network. Yes. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I'm wondering, like, to start off with, like, how does it feel? Like, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's it is my biggest dream come true. Mm. I'll just put it that way. Mm. I have literally devoted my life's work to. How do I say this? To devoting care, critical thought, attention to the horizon where spirituality and human sexuality and gender meet. Mm. Because I know what it's like to be abusing a substance. I know what it's like to have the darkest cloud come over your body and just sit in utter despair and suicidal ideation. Mm I know what it's like to sit in a pew and watch your dad preach or ministers preach and think, I'm just damaged. Mm. That's it. I'm just damaged. Mm. And through the journey that I've been on to come to a place and say, whoa, 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 I'm not damaged. Mm. I am perfectly made. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard Rohr, perfectly imperfect. Mm. I love that. Mm. And And I've just fallen in love with people just like you and me, Mm -hmm. so much so that I've devoted my life's work to us to say, how do we, how do we understand ourselves? What really is sexual orientation on a psychological, neurological, spiritual level? Mm -hmm. What are our emotional cravings? And should we make peace with desire or do we shut it down? How do we interact with God? Who is God? Who am I? Just just for the simple fact that we deserve to know who we really are. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when, uh, when I got the phone call and they said, you got the job, it was just like, uh, whew, just, just so exciting that, mm-hmm. um, that I would get to share my contributions with the community, mm-hmm. that I would begin, you know, it's kind of like my little white flag over here in Denver, Colorado. I'm like waving it around saying, I'm here, I'm here. (laughs) Um, And then they gave me a phone call and it was just um, like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I actually get to like, is this coming true? (laughs) I get to do, devoted my whole life to doing. Um, You know, there's a lot of spectacularity that comes with being the interim executive director. And that's, Mm. that's fun. You know, my Facebook page and Twitter was blowing up yesterday. And right. Um, that's that's great. But what I'm mostly excited about is to get all of us around, you know, almost like friends coming over for a dinner party and saying, hey, guys, look what I found. Yeah. Look what I found. You know, this is who we really are. This mm-hmm. is what we're all about. Oh, let's talk about it. So yeah. that's what I'm mostly excited about. I'm so excited for conference to sit down with everyone and and talk about things like the illusion of control or what is the function of sexual orientation. You know, I say that the function of sexual orientation is not to tell me whose body I'm going to like to sleep with. Mm-hmm. The true primary function of sexual orientation is to, to guide me towards someone who can teach me God is love at the deepest, most sacred layer. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to be a voice to help 
contribute to the way that we understand ourselves as God's created children. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm mostly excited about. (laughs) Yes. That's really exciting. What are your, like kind of your biggest hopes for GCN coming up in the future? Like Mm -hmm. it's because it seems like the organization is, is kind of transitioning, maybe even pivoting a little bit um, Mm -hmm. and it will be and it won't be Mm. Um, there's a lot of people saying oh my goodness Isaac ah what about side b right are you gonna create you know like this social activist organization you know like Mm -hmm. goodbye god and goodbye side beers Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely not nope Mm -hmm. we are gonna stay true to the roots Mm. as a pastor's son uh, I know that all people belong Mm. in the church we all belong at the table this isn't Um, about a transition that says, okay, the people who believe with me come and the people who don't, see you later. That's not what we're about at all. But to say we are all on a spiritual journey. Hmm. And you might be focusing on one thing when I'm focusing on something totally else. Mm -hmm. Or your thoughts and your opinions might introduce me to something that I've never seen or a perspective I've never had. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to stay under the same tent and we're... uh, we're just going to expand. So one of my dreams is to, um, we're going to create a lot more programming. Mm. So I do a lot of weekend retreats and seminars Mm -hmm. for um, the LGBTQ community, but also for our religious parents. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to do is, um, one of my goals is to use the conference as a, it's kind of like a launching pad. Mm. And then all year long, we're going to produce content that unpacks what we introduced at the conference Mm. so that all year long, we get to have a dialogue around content, um, monthly content that people could use in their, you know, regional pockets to to facilitate discussion. Mm. Um, So that's one of the one of the big goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, one of my biggest dreams is to create to to turn GCN into an organization that's very financially stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're in a position where we need um, we need money, and mm-hmm. so we'll be we'll be asking for some money. We're writing grants and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But just because I am the executive director, I have to pay attention to everything. Right. So I have tons of dreams, but oh, totally. Again, my biggest one is to create year-long interactions where we can say okay, here's another video or here's a speaker unpacking the same thing. Right. Um, how do we, how do we stay connected and cohesive as one body? So, yeah. 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 Cause I know like, I mean, I think since the news kind of broke this week um, and with, with Justin leaving and you stepping in, um, there's a lot of speculation around like, mm-hmm. like what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it took a lot of people kind of by surprise, like, cause, sure. cause GCN hasn't been, I mean, we've we've kind of gotten, I think, used to this this mode of conference, and then not a whole lot going on, and then another conference, and and so for this kind of big thing to happen in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. um, uh, of course, there's a lot of people wondering, like, mm-hmm. what is going to happen to mm-hmm. our organization that we love so much, yep. and yep, mm-hmm. and and with a leader like Justin, who is so deeply loved in the community, um, yeah it's uh, of course those questions are, are coming up and sure yeah and so it's i and i know a lot of that speculation is like where's gcn going like what is happening like is there still room for me as a side b christian or as someone who 
is maybe more evangelical in my beliefs, you know, like those, those kind of things where GCN has, has provided those spaces. Um, and, and I guess what I'm hearing you say is like, yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of, I want to be very blatant with this because I want people to feel safe hmm. as a professional counselor. Um, it's my job to, to hold the space for all options. And that's, it's, given me a very unique perspective, especially as the son of two pastors in the Assemblies of God Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a very, um, it's just a, it's a very unique world. Mm. But going on my own spiritual journey, I've, I've learned that it's just that, it's a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what I believe, it just matters how I love and GCN is going to be a place that holds that space to say, come on, we might not all agree, but I can sure love you. Mm. And um, I think in, in our community, that's so, 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 so important. So, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're side B or side A. We're going to hold hold that space exactly how it's always been. Um, sexuality can be so, 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 so complex. Mm-hmm. And and it's not my job to insert myself into people's theological worlds. It's my job to create a space where we say, let's learn together. And let's just be really smart. Let's be smart about how we learn and how we treat each other. Yeah. I'm finding myself really curious about this side B thing, which... Uh, which I'm I'm actually curious about why I'm so curious about it. And I think mostly because I've seen a lot of my side B friends are the ones who are, I think, most nervous. Um, mm. And I think they've kind of, if I'm understanding them right, like they've kind of felt like it's in GCN over the past few years, there's kind of been this continued like pushing out of side B people. And so I guess I'm curious, like how how do you kind of plan to create that space? Um, for people who who may be a minority within this movement, like, mm-hmm. and and maybe not just side B people, but like I know there are a lot of trans people who are worried, and and like the official like statement was like we're trying to bring in more diversity, um, and mm-hmm. so diversity being more conservative or um, differing identities who are underrepresented in our communities, like what are some of the ways that you're hoping? to do that yeah so as the organization becomes financially healthy Mm. one of the things we're going to need and it's a good it's a good problem to have but we're going to need more staff Mm -hmm. and we want to be very intentional to hire more people of color um our trans brothers and sisters women um we want to be really intentional to make sure that all people are are represented on the staff and board of gcn so that's really important to, to me and Tino and Kyle. Mm-hmm. And I know that the board would absolutely agree with me on that. Um, in terms of side B, I, I, the, when you asked that question, the one word that came to my mind was sacred. Mm. I want to hold a sacred place because, you know, if God came down and spoke to me tonight and said, side B is the way to go or side A is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be great, but it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I know that whether you're side A or you're side B, you're motivated because you love God. Mm-hmm. And that is a sacred place. And we can't do away with that. Right. I don't, I don't want to tamper with the, the people 
anybody's motivation for how or why they're loving God. Mm -hmm. We're just going to reverence it and create a beautiful little spot for it to to exist. And that's going to happen under GCN for Mm -hmm. sure. And I know you mentioned people of color and I know that's also been a really major critique of GCN in the past of, especially the conference in Pittsburgh, like there was almost no representation from people of color. And in Houston, things kind of like set off on one track of becoming more intersectional and more um, inclusive. And then Pittsburgh seemed like a step back from that. And I know that there's a lot of differing opinions within the organization but what are what are your hopes in including people of color and and, and the race conversation like needs to be had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as as a Hispanic person, mm-hmm. I find that that's incredibly important. You know, navigating academia um, as a person of color at the time, CU Boulder was the number one most white school in the nation, mm-hmm. and I felt like such an alien. <laughs> right. uh, it and it was so hard. You know, part of the reason why my grades were so horrible is because I first had to learn to, I had to learn how to study. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and to professionally navigate, and, and just even spiritually, um, to navigate the world as an ethnic minority has been very challenging. I've had to play catch up in many areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite examples is I didn't even know who James Taylor was till I was in college. Yeah. And I said, so <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, oh God, uh, you know, like, <laughs> I was in a bubble. Right. Uh, but that's just culture, right? And right, so, right. yeah, so I definitely want to be very intentional to, to serve the needs of Um, other people of color just like myself Mm -hmm. um, and will be responsive to to what people are asking for Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely on the radar so some changes will be will be coming down the pipeline for sure yeah good you mentioned your your therapist your psychotherapist and and um, psychologist and theologian and like you've you've done all of these wonderful things towards the inclusion of LGBT people within our communities and within our churches. Um, how, how do you feel all of that has kind of set you up for this role? Like, I mean, it's a big role to step into. Um, and, mm. and we're used to seeing one person in that role. I mean, I think everyone at GCN has been Justin for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. So just about, yeah. Right. So, to have Isaac now step in. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like how, what are you, what do you think you're bringing to us? You know, I, I really, really, I can geek out on this probably for the rest of my life, but (laughs) (laughs) I love the, the integration of psychotherapy and spirituality Um, to really look at what a psychology showing us about human behavior and being reciprocating beings that I am intentionally woven to be in reciprocity with you and my neighbors, my lover and God. Mm. And I am fascinated at the study of that, that part of us, you know, that, um, because that is spirituality, spirituality, Mm. spirituality is all about being in reciprocity with ourselves with our other and God. And I find that psychology and spirituality, they're just so mutually informative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the things that I um, am really excited to bring to the table. 
is this very robust conversation about how do I fall in love and mm-hmm. how do I love really well, not mm-hmm. just romantically, not familially or, or in my friendships, but also with the divine creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been sitting in that little counseling room for a long time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> learning and listening um, to people just like you and me. Um, who are coming out to are trying to reconcile their sexuality with spirituality, who um, are having a very challenging time with their parents or their clergy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bring a robust knowledge about uh, what does daily life sound like, not just in my life, but in our community's life, mm-hmm. and, and being very intentionally prepared and equipped to get in there and and to know how to um, resolve some of those spiritual relational issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I'm really excited to bring to the table. Yeah. Cause I know, like, I think for a lot of us, and this is coming from my experience, so I don't know, I don't know if I can necessarily universalize it, but I think uh, I went through that theological conversation and kind of came to terms with myself theologically. And then once I settled into that, there was kind of the like, well now what like how like if i'm i've made this transition from side b to side a i'm looking around like i have no idea what to do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that that psychological side of things of of moving into our identities and moving into ourselves like that's such a huge piece for so many of us how mm-hmm. do we date how do we enter into these relationships how do we continue our relationships with people that were maybe leaving behind in in different places and all of that to say like that's huge like i think we need those conversations oh absolutely absolutely you know i when i first started out being a a psychotherapist and i was actually um, an adjunct professor at a seminary and i was doing these you know long lectures on shame Mm. what is shame how do we look at it how do we resolve it and I'm like, ta-da, you know, I know everything about shame. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a year and a half goes by, and I kept waking up saying, why do I feel like God is against me? Mm. It's not my turn. No one loves me. I can't do relationships. I'm doomed. Mm. And then it hit me. I was just kind of sitting in my bedroom one day, and I was like, oh, my God, this is shame. Mm. I'm still carrying shame. Mm-hmm. And we need resources to say, ah, that's why my relationships aren't working and this is what I can do about it. Or, right. ah, this is like the same mistake I keep making in my relationship, but now that I know about it on this conscious level, I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with God, mm-hmm. you know, that this, that we're mirroring for each other. Um, who is God and, and how do we love? And so, again, I think that human, the study of human behavior just informs spirituality on so many levels and vice versa. Right. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I can geek out on this all day long. So. Totally. And I'm, and I'm going to push into that a little bit because, I, I mean, this is what I study too. And, mm-hmm. and that shame mm-hmm. piece, like that feeling of God is against me. I, I've noticed that in my own life, like that still pops up mm-hmm. often. And I talked mm-hmm. to my own therapist about that. I'm like, why, like, why do I still feel this way? Like I, mm-hmm. I cognitively know that he's not, mm-hmm. but my body still has this shame deep mm-hmm. within it. And sure. 
I'm curious if you could maybe talk about that a little bit more. Cause I think that's something that I, I hear about a lot of like people still wrestling with that kind of idea of like, what if mm-hmm. all of these people who are telling me that God is against me, like what if they're right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to look at, I'll kind of take us to the, to the ground layer, the ground level, and then I'll build this up a little bit to answer okay. your question. Mm-hmm. I think that, in my in my language, the way I like to talk about this is we have a ton of emotional cravings. Yeah. I like to think of them as buckets, okay? So it's like this bucket to feel loved, to feel valued, to be confident, to be cherished, uh, to feel safe, to feel seen, to feel understood. I mean, we have we have thousands of these emotional cravings. Mm-hmm. and it's it's like we kind of hold all of these buckets and we push them out in front of someone and we say, hey, will you fill these up? Mm. And sometimes they do. And sometimes it's like they just kick them back. Mm-hmm. And we're like, ooh, ooh, ouch, you know, gosh, that rejection. And we're like, you know, kind of, hey, can you fill these buckets up, please? You know, we push them out one more time. What happens, though, to turn shame on is it's like instead of someone filling them up with this beautiful this beautiful fluid that's just full of this beauty, this fragrance. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they start pouring mud water into these very sacred emotional cravings. Mm-hmm. So what we begin saying is, oh, my desire to be held by the same gender or my desire to, um, to be seen and understood, gosh, when I put that need out, I get something very dirty in response. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop sharing that bucket with people. I'm going to stop asking people to fill that up. And in fact, I'm just going to start hiding that thing. Mm -hmm. It's not going to come out. And what that does is it puts us in a place where we're emotionally starving. Mm -hmm. But we're also afraid to push it out in front of anyone. Mm -hmm. We're we're shutting down the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So because we're starving, we hop into this fantasy one, because we're trying to medicate the pain, mm-hmm. and two, because we're still trying to get that sensation back into our lives. Mm-hmm. So then we reach for you know too much chocolate cake or too much alcohol or too much pornography, and we, we create this fantasy of what will soothe us. Then we dive headfirst into that you know, behavior. Mm-hmm. And then we do that behavior, and then we say, oh my God, look what I just did. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really dirty you know not only is the bucket dirty but the pain from that bucket makes me do this dirty thing Mm -hmm. and then we begin saying this is who i am Mm -hmm. so we have a distorted emotional craving this bucket full of mud Mm -hmm. and then it turns us into what or it turns it into an identity distortion Mm -hmm. i am this person Mm -hmm. and that i always say shame is not a conscious thought it's an emotional experience. Right. It's the emotional experience of I am something damaged. Every time I do that thing, woof, it shows how dirty I am. Right. And so shame, I think when it's on, on the layer, kind of what you were talking about and I was talking about when we wake up saying, God, I think God is just against me. Mm-hmm. It's that emotional experience of shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, we, we can live there. I, I always tell my clients there's three layers here when when i know at least for me that shame is active i call it the fallen trifecta Mm. so it's i feel valueless Mm. look at what i just did no one's gonna want me Mm -hmm. i feel powerless i told myself i would never do it again and i just did it i'm totally powerless i can't even trust myself Mm. 
and I'm worthless. I keep doing that thing and I shouldn't expect what I really crave to ever come. I should just put up with getting less. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's how we feel in relation to God. Mm -hmm. I'm valueless. Look at who I am. I, God's not going to want me. I told myself I would behave better and I can't. I can't trust myself. So now I'm powerless and God will never bless me. So now I'm worthless and the good things I want are never going to come. Mm-hmm. So if we're ever feeling that fallen trifecta, I would say, hey guys, stop, pay attention because you got some shame on board mm-hmm. and let's, let's resolve it. And the way that we resolve shame is by cleaning out that bucket. Mm-hmm hey, I learned about this emotional craving from someone who was willing to pour mud in this bucket where mud never belonged. Mm. And it's my job to clean that up. Just like I was saying about my car ride home from seminary, you know, to say, I learned that mud water deserved to be in this bucket. Mm. And they taught me that this, it was accurate to have mud water in here. Mm. And then this transition to say, whoa, this bucket didn't deserve that at all. Mm-hmm. Let me clean it out and then get trustworthy people to fill this bucket up the way that it should have been filled up the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's how we undo shame. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I mean, we know like neurobiologically, like shame hijacks that, that cognitive function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like no matter what we necessarily know cognitively, like mm-hmm. it is a, it's a primarily a bodily experience. Yeah, and, sure. And so that, that bringing it to light, that like that registering with, with mm. our bodies and saying like this is shame mm. like and mm. then taking those steps and then to kind of soak back in with that parenting example that god isn't like mm-hmm. yeah you deserve <laughs> that shame you know <laughs> like punishing <laughs> us like that horrible parent would <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe that was a little pejorative um that <laughs> unhealthy parent would <laughs> yeah um yeah. just to make a point but i mm-hmm. think god is saying like whoa hold on hey hey hey, hey look at me Come here. You got some mud in there and it doesn't belong in there. Let's clean that out. I'm not against you. Mm. You just think I am. Yeah. It's a transition. You know, and I think that this is, I, I thank you for pushing us into this area of dialogue because I think that many of us are still carrying shame. Mm. Um, I always say that there's six layers of coming out. You've heard me talk about this, but I'll yeah. just briefly share them real quickly. Uh-huh. Um, but the first one is I have to come out to myself. The second one is I usually will come out to friends Mm. and then coming out to family. Mm. The fourth one is coming out to God Mm. to say, all right, God, how do we reconcile this? Where are you and where am I? Are we we in this together or not? Mm -hmm. And then the fifth one is to come out publicly. And this sounds a little odd, like, well, duh, you just did. But Mm. what I mean by that is to actually demonstrate your, your affection and your love socially. Mm-hmm. to feel comfortable walking down the street holding hands, to let your parents see you being affectionate, um, to to start doing tea, you know, to start mm-hmm. the transition. Um, mm-hmm. That that fifth layer is really hard. And I've noticed from my clients and even from myself that we don't get to layer five very often. Right. But the sixth layer is to get back into those buckets, to get right back into those emotional cravings to say, whoa, whoa, whoa these aren't dirty. My desire as a man to be loved by another man, that is not dirty. Mm -hmm. God is actually okay. And more than that, God created me that way. Mm -hmm. Mud does not deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. Let me clean this thing up. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I think that once, once we start reintegrating our emotional cravings as clean, so we're recategorizing them as clean, now we're hopping back into the truest Imago Dei that we can. Mm. Now I am actually living out as the image of God. Amen. Isaac, thank you mm-hmm. so very much. Mm. Absolutely. Congratulations again. Thank you. <laughs> Isaac can be found on Twitter at I am Archuleta. Be watching for registration to be opening for GCN's conference. It's the largest LGBTQ Christian conference in the world. Registration is going to be opening for that soon. That's happening in January, at the end of January, in Denver, Colorado this year. I'll be there. Isaac will be there. Almost everyone who has been on this podcast will be there. You want to be there too. Queerology is on Twitter at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. And as I say every week, if you're enjoying Queerology, I would love it if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review. To make it easy, you can just go to MatthiasRoberts.com review, and it will take you right there. I'd also love to hear from you. There's a little contact page on my website. Send me a note. Let me know who you want to hear on the podcast. Uh, and until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.